This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we are celebrating our cross-country teams making big statements at the Bates Super Cross-Country Shootout. Plus, the field hockey team earned its first NASCAC win in convincing fashion, and football battled Amherst to the wire. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Saturday was the first Bates football game since November of 2019. The Bobcats fell behind 14-0 to an always tough Amherst squad before rallying and taking the lead on this 49-yard touchdown strike from Brendan Costa to Mohamed Diawara. Play action for Costa, looking over the middle, airing it out. Diawara has it! Touchdown, Bates! A 49-yard strike! And the Bobcats have scored 16 unanswered to take the lead late in the first half. The Bobcats led 17-14 at halftime, but the Mammoths held Bates to a field goal in the second half, edging Bates 28-20. Interim head coach Ed Argast looks back on the game. I thought they played well, but we made some mistake in critical areas that hurt us. Uh, We got the punt blocked. Uh, We only averaged 14 yards a punt, which killed our field position. And then in the second half, our defense played well in the first half. In the second half, we lost six of our starters on defense. And just the young kids just didn't hold up. That was was what it came down to. Numbers are going to be an issue for us all year. We just got to manage it as best we can, that's all, you know. Hopefully we'll get some guys back. You mentioned you know the block punch. You fell behind fourteen nothing, right? But they rallied they and make it seventeen fourteen. What are your thoughts on the, the rally there in the second quarter? I expected them to rally. They're they're a high character team. Um, you know, there's no quitting them. So I was glad to see that it had happened, and I think it gave them some confidence. And then how about the pass from Brendan Costa to Muhammad Diawara? It went like 60 yards in the air. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that play? What was your view of that play? I was like, that's what, they're cap- that's what they're, both those kids are capable of doing. Yeah. You know, they're, they're weapons that, uh, boy, when they get unleashed, it's pretty to watch. Certainly. And then uh, Simon Redfern was named NETSCAC Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, it's nice to be able to have a kicker who can kick field goals from, you know, 30-plus yards out. Right? No doubt. No doubt. And, and I had all the confidence in the world when it, you know, when it comes to whether we should go for it or not. I thought, you know, we've got a good kicker. He's been good all preseason. So I, I didn't flinch when I made that decision. I know you've been working a lot with the offensive line. It looks like they kept Costa... You know, upright most of the game. I think Amherst only had one sack. Yeah, for the most part, they they played. It was a they played a solid game. I don't think they dominated, but they didn't get dominated. They 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 held their own. And then, what are some points of emphasis you think in practice this week? Uh, well, we just got to be healthy. I can't beat them up too much in practice. And uh, you know, we we got to make sure that we get our kicking game straightened out. You know, to 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 the first two punts won the game for Amherst, basically. And that, that can't happen. You know, the other stuff has got to come into factors. And, and so we got to clean our punt team up and, you know, get our snapper better. Our snapper, I think, just had the jitters. Mm-hmm. You know, those two bad snaps killed us. And then um, a lot of coaches say the biggest improvement you see in football teams at the college level is from week one to week two. What are your thoughts on that? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd be happy about that. Yeah. Um, only because I think our kids went out and put it on the line, and they, they really played their tails off. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's obviously places to get better. We can run the ball a little bit more consistently. You know, it's, it's not whether we're doing something or not doing something. It's, it's how consistent are we. And we're just a little bit inconsistent with some things. And then, um, you know, Spencer Adams had one of his better games as a Bobcat. I thought senior linebacker had an interception, made 11 mm-hmm. tackles. What do yeah. you see from that unit? Because it seemed like um, Tony Hooks was all over the place also, and Mike Bowman too. No doubt, but then when those guys got hurt and they were out of the game, that killed us, you know, because they're dominant players. And the, the, the drop-off to the kids behind them is, is big because we're talking about freshmen, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, I was disappointed. We've got to get our, our twos to play better, basically. But I was happy with, with the starting group. It was they really they really showed up. For you, what was kind of the experience like finally, you know, getting back out of the field, nice crowd, right? Just kind of in general the atmosphere, right? Well, it's a it's a little different for me because I'm used to calling plays and being a little bit more involved, you know, play to play. Um, so I'm I'm kind of finding my way and where I can be useful and where I need to stay out of the way. But it was it was a nice experience for me. I enjoyed it. Well, I saw the offensive line would come over to you, right? So yeah, was, still managing them. Yeah. So what was that discussion like with them throughout the game? Just, just you know, where are they lining up? What's, what do you have an issue with? You know, and I, was, I would pull some guys out and put some guys in because uh, it was planning, not because anybody was doing bad. Um, but it was, it's a good group. I'm lucky. It's, a, it's really a good group. Chris Capel, a wide receiver, you gave him those balls on some of those sweeps. That worked out pretty well, right? Yeah, Chris uh, has done it. You know, we moved him to running back, and, and uh, not long ago, and he's really, he's really embraced it and, and been a productive player. Um, that was a nice surprise. And then Derek Marino at wide receiver, big target for Costa. Right? No doubt, no doubt, he's a weapon. Yeah, and that's the thing. We've got weapons. Yeah, you know, we've got weapons. We just gotta keep using them. That's all. Great. And well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about Week One? You wanted to, um, you know, point out we haven't got to talk about yet. I mean, I think we're on pace. I mean, my goal coming in was for the program not to miss a beat with the switch in the in the leadership, and and I think we've done that because we went out. If you if you were at the game and you sat in the stands, you know it was anybody's game, and we competed our tails off. Junior Muhammad Diawara had his best game yet as a Bobcat catching five passes for 93 yards and a touchdown. He's our male Bobcat of the Week, and he joins the Bobcast to talk about his highlight reel, TD grab, and more. Coach Patterson preached to us all week, like, this is going to be a look that we're going to get. And when I tell you it was exactly what he said it would be, like, the safeties crashed down hard on the play-action fake. And literally the day before the game, like, he, he was telling me over and over, like, Walk off the ball, don't run, just walk. And like once I got out there, I knew like slow down, don't mess this up. And I took my time, put my head down and ran and looked up. The ball was there. BC made an amazing play, threw the ball up, and all he did was give me a chance to make a play. At what point were you starting to track the ball really there? You got to have rules and verticals. And the biggest thing Coach Patterson told me was like, put my head down and run like don't don't look too soon because if I look too soon like I'll give it away or like I won't be able to track it so I put my head down I I ran for like 20 yards 20 30 yards before I even looked up and then I looked up probably around maybe like 15 yard line seeing the ball and the rest was history 
and you still have like 15 yards where you've got to like track it and and it's almost too much time to think but what's going through your head you're just like don't drop it don't drop it <laughs> it was like it was like don't drop it like i gotta make a play like yeah. we were down so i was just like let's go like this is like what we've been working for the moments that we work for i love the touchdown celebration with sean bryant uh where'd that come from um i'm from philly so like we everybody like like the bikes and stuff like that so mm. i was pretending to pop a willie Nice, nice. Is that something you've, uh, a celebration you've done uh, throughout your career, like in high school even? Um, not so much in high school. It kind of became a thing here last year. Okay. I was doing it for the guys, like when like my teammates scored, like I would celebrate with them. Like it's mainly about them. So like just to see Sean behind me, like that was amazing to see it. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And then uh, you mentioned you're from Philly and also boys Latin school, right? And a lot. A number of players on this football team are from that high school, right? I mean, you guys have a uh, – what's that dynamic like from when guys who, you know, went to the same high school and are now at base? I mean, it feel good. It's like – it's feel like in like we building like legacy type of thing. Like we got me, Muhammad Koulibaly, Anthony Morton, and Zakir Jones. So it was like me and Cooley came together, and then those two guys followed right behind us. And it was like – it feel good to know like the teammates are here to support me and like I know they out here to play and they out here to work, and that's what it always comes down to. And when you were looking at colleges, what made Bates the place for you, you decided? It's all about culture. Mm-hmm. Culture, and, like, I felt like we always building something. Like, we at, in high school, like, we started off at a program that it wasn't so good, and us young guys went to the school, and we changed things and turn, turned things around. And I feel like here it was just an opportunity for us to – come to a great school academically like our teachers preach that like don't blow opportunities when they come you take advantage so it was just like I felt like the coaches were really building something special here and we just bought into the program and you mentioned coach Patterson obviously he's been part of this program for the past few years uh offensive coordinator seems like guys have a lot of confidence in him don't they most definitely coach Patterson like everything coach Patterson says is like it it happens to the T like we we practice discipline and being on time and just doing your job, and that's one thing he stressed the most. And when you focus and do what you coach to do, you're going to make the plays that you need to make. Speaking of those plays, another play you made, I think it was on this side of the field, in traffic, right? There were a couple guys around you. Take us through that one. Um, it was another similar look. Like, we knew that the safeties were going to play, like, open up open up the middle of the field. And um, once he opened up his hips, I just kind of, like, broke, my, uh, broke the route across his face. And BC made another play. I just see the ball coming towards me, and I know catch the ball, make a play, and just wake up. In that situation, you know you're going to get hit, though, right? I mean, what's going through your mind to prepare for that? Um, I kind of felt him on my back. So, like, I just think catch the ball and shield it, and I just, like, prepare to get tackled, like, cover the ball. Gotcha. And then, obviously, you had your first year um, here two years ago. Last year, no season. This year, a career game in your opener. But you also had some big games your first year. But what have you kind of worked on over this time period where you didn't get to play any games to improve on, you know, as a receiver? As a receiver, I count, I kind of, like, over the past two years, um, at the end of the last year, I was recovering from, like, a torn UCL in my thumb. So I kind of was off and on in the weight room and – this summer, I really got the time to sit back and work, like, and really put the weight on that I needed to. I came in, I was kind of, like, a little lighter on the lighter side, like 165. And this summer, I was in the gym working, and I put on the weight that I needed to put on and starting to come into my frame. 
And I saw you. I saw some videos on social media that you posted. You working on Garcelon Field, some quick turns, some, and and so take us through kind of that because I I feel like you have a large social media following. I, I just feel I get that sense after posting that video. I like to watch receivers in the league, like yeah. how they work on change of direction and those types of things, like getting in and out of your breaks and just being efficient. And I feel like when it comes to my game, like I try to work on like the little details in my route running and like get into the spots that I need to get to and just working. Seems like you have great chemistry with Brennan Costa at this point, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Brennan has been an amazing leader, like, and a, like an amazing big brother to me. Like, since I got here, he's on the same thing as Coach Patterson. It's just like, stay focused and let's, let's be disciplined and execute. I mean, Brennan Costa came, this summer I worked an internship in New York, and Brennan Costa came to visit. And he was on vacation, and me and him worked out at 7 a.m. in the middle of the field, in Times Square, like, <laughs> like I can't, I can't, you can't practice that. Like that, that's chemistry. Like this summer we worked, and because everybody here wants to win, so there's room to work out in Times Square. Not Times Square, <laughs> oh, <okay>. um, <laughs> Central, Park? Central Park. Oh, okay, my okay, apologies, okay, okay. yeah, Central Park. I was gonna say that'd be quite the sight in Times Square. <laughs> yeah, but Central Park, nice. Seven a.m. at Central Park, we were working out before I work, literally. Awesome, and. Um, so obviously it was a you know a close game with Amherst. What are some focuses you think this week in practice to get over the hump kind of when you have Middlebury this upcoming week? Um, to get over the hump, I mean, we just got to be more disciplined. Like we watch the film and we see like we left a lot of yards out there. And as a team, we got to be disciplined. We got to play four quarters. Bates, throughout our past, like we never finished games. So like as a team, we preach like just do the little things right. And we got to come out and play from the start. It does have to be encouraging, though. You, you know, fell behind 14 nothing, not ideal, but rallied, right? I mean, took the lead. And in years past, maybe that doesn't happen, right? Yeah, I mean, like, like similarly, like, to Hamilton game last year, mm-hmm. like, it was, like, one of those situations where you got to, like, reality check, like, slow down. And, no, like, let's, let's play base football and, and start working and getting back to the basics. Great. What are some goals you have going forward kind of this season? And you're only a junior. you still got a year after this one, right? do um so i mean goals for the season i mean it's just about the team like honestly i'm just going to continue to work and follow what coach patterson and, and the guys are telling me to do is is so all about trusting the process and hopefully we can turn this thing around and and shake some things here great muhammad diawara thank you so much for joining us on the bobcast Bail bobcat of the week thanks again thank you the field hockey team started the week with a three to one road loss at number 11 nationally ranked Bowdoin, but the bobcats bounced back in a big way saturday with a five nothing win over connecticut college the program's largest margin of victory in a nascat contest since 2002 senior captain riley burns made the switch to center midfield this year and she scored against both Bowdoin and connecticut college and riley burns is our female bobcat of the week uh, it's been going well. It's definitely a difficult change coming from the forward line, moving back to the midfield. Um, it's definitely been different, but a great experience. Uh, very difficult, but I love every minute of it. What's the biggest adjustment to center mid? Definitely just uh, the endurance. I mean, it's definitely taken a lot of work over the summer in the past year and a half to work up to this position. Um, I've been focusing a lot on my cardiovascular endurance, and I think that that's just been the biggest uh, change for me. Great, and then take us through your goal against Bowden. I know Anna Cody set it up, right? Yeah, I inserted the ball on a corner. Um, there was uh, Anna Cody just hit it into the goal, and I got a tip on it, luckily. Uh, but they did most of the legwork. 
that kind of the idea on a lot of penalty corners is for you to insert and then come back and try to tip it in? Yeah, that's basically my uh, my role is I just insert as fast as I can, um, get down to the post, and hopefully get a touch on it if it, if it comes my way. And so penalty corners, obviously, I know you, you probably work on that a lot in practice, right? Um, is this your first year doing the doing the insert? Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, I, in past years, have been at the top of the circle taking the shot, but we have some really strong incoming first years who are just ripping shots at the top of the circle, and, you know, that's great for them. Like, they've been doing a very good job. 5 nothing win over Connecticut College. Uh, it must have felt good to really have that outburst, right? Yes, it definitely felt very nice. I think it was a much-needed win for the team. I think it's your goal in that game. We had a penalty stroke, and I just looked over the sideline, and Danny trusted me enough to take that shot. And so just, you know, had to, you know, pull myself together, you know. It's definitely a very stressful situation, but just focus on the goal. Um, we actually know the, the goalie. That's our Amelia Mountford's twin sister. Oh. Uh, so, so it was definitely a pretty interesting um, situation, but it was, it was nice. For those who don't know field hockey that well, penalty corner, penalty stroke. What makes it upgrade, if you will, to a penalty stroke? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the call was on this penalty stroke. Uh, I have a feeling it was that the goalie was covering the ball so that no one mm. could actually get a touch on it. She had, I think, her glove completely over the ball. Mm. So um, I think that was why the ref had called it a penalty stroke. I could be totally incorrect on that. But so then you just get to take that free shot. So it's funny because in ice hockey, the goalie is encouraged typically to cover the, the puck, yeah. but in field hockey, no, you can't do that. No, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> the goalie sort of has to keep it free at all times for everyone to play on. You know, the team, how how you coming together? I mean, I watched uh, a lot of the Bowdoin game on, on the stream there, and it looked like it was real, real back and real close back and forth game, right? Yeah, I think that was, that was a very strong game for us. We played very well, very cohesive as a group. Um, it definitely felt like a win to us, even though the scoreboard didn't show it. Um, it was definitely disappointing because, you know, you don't always see what goes on, on during the game just by looking at the scoreboard. But uh, we had a very strong game. I believe you have a midweek game coming up, right? Yeah, we play this Tuesday against UNE, and then we also play Friday night at Babson. Oh, great. And Babson's been a classic battle over the years, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. It's definitely... <laughs> Definitely a huge game for us. They're also, I think, nationally ranked number 12 right now. Um, so it's definitely going to be a big game for us. So you're one of the senior captains on this team, right? So what's that leadership role like for you? Um, it's been great uh, stepping into this role. Um, you know, I just try to work work alongside the three other captains. We work well together. Um, you know, I just try to lead by example, uh, show the team, you know, how it's done, I guess. <laughs> um I guess being center midfielder, it sort of comes naturally just to, you know, direct the team on the fields and then off the fields. We're all just so close-knit that it's not a hard job at all. So it is the closest team, even though you didn't have a season last year. Yeah, yeah. no, it, we're, we're super close. I think Danny does a great job of putting an emphasis on our team culture, and so we spend a lot of time together um, on and off the field working on that culture. Um, you know, we have our five core values that we like to stick to, and it's just super easy being on this team. Everyone loves each other. Everyone supports each other. We work really well together. And how are the first years, and especially, I think, the sophomores adjusting, right? Because no year last year. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's like having two incoming first-year classes mm -hmm. this year. But I think they've all done a really great job transitioning into collegiate field hockey. It's I remember being a first year. It was very difficult, the fast-paced game. Um, but we have some very strong players, and I think 
you know, they've made it look easy. So props to them. My wife teaches high school English. So we went to a high school field hockey game over the weekend and almost all high schools play on grass, don't they? Is that one of the biggest transitions for these uh, young kids coming in and play on turf? Yeah, um, I actually played on grass in my high school. Uh -huh. it, was, it was the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, I'm very grateful for, for having played on grass, coming to our gorgeous fields. Um, it makes things a lot easier, smoother, faster. Um, a lot of high schools these days play with field turf, okay. like like Garcelon. Okay. Um, but that's still definitely a transition coming coming to AstroTurf. It's a lot faster. Um, yeah, the the speed is probably the biggest transition from high school to college. The ball moves like no other. <laughs> Sounds like it's a little more fun now, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> what are your thoughts you wanted to share about the team so far this year and some of your goals kind of moving forward here? Um, I, I think the team is doing a great job just uh, bringing the intensity every practice. Um, we've had a few rough losses in NESCAC play already, but I, I definitely think we're still in contention, and I don't think anyone should uh, lose sight of that. I think that we're going to really bring our A game these next few games. Yeah, definitely still early in the year and coming off a big 5 nothing win there over Con College on Saturday. Riley Burns, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. The nationally ranked cross-country teams made a big statement over the weekend with both squads out racing Tufts and Connecticut College. On the women's side, Bates placed 14 runners among the top 19 individuals in the race. It was quite the performance from the number 22 nationally ranked Bobcats as Tufts came into the event ranked 5th in the nation. Senior Captain Tara Ellard chats with us about the team's amazing depth. As a senior captain, you know, Tufts comes in, they're 5th in the country. To see Bates outrace them as a team, how gratifying is that for you? It was amazing to see. This was definitely an exciting meet for us, just being at home. Um, and since many of mo most of our team is underclassmen and a lot of even juniors and seniors, this was their first experience as um, at Pineland on our team and their first cross-country seasons. So it was really cool to be able to skate, get out there, see what people could do, and really see how deep our team was for the first time in a couple of years. And for those who aren't as familiar with the sport, why is having so much depth so important? I mean, we saw... Tufts took the top two spots, but the rest was basically Bates. Yeah, the so the way that cross country is scored is you want to have the least amount of points, and you know place number one gets one point, and so on. And they scored uh, at this meet specifically ten runners, and so the more runners that we have in the in the front, the better scoring we have. And even the people who are scoring, you know, nine, ten, or even eleven and twelve can displace. So the more people that we have up at the front, the more places we're taking away from other teams, and. It's really exciting to see that we had so many people so close to the front in such big packs. And then for you personally, you got sixth, right, I believe? Yes. Yeah, and so what was your approach to the race? Who were you running with? Uh, how did it go from your perspective? Yeah, I had a really good group. Um, there was two girls, both me, um, Sarah, and Jen, who were running similar paces going into it. And there was another group that was just a little bit ahead of us. And so we really ran the race together. And then we were able to look ahead to our teammates who had slightly faster paces to kind of catch them along the way. Excellent. And then, I mean... When you cross the finish line, do you kind of have a sense of how well the team has done? Or do you kind of wait for results? Yeah, the cool thing about cross country is you, you see your teammates along the way. And yeah. so I, I could see in front of me who had already crossed the line and who was coming in right behind me. Um, and also throughout the race, we're communicating so much about who's, like, who's doing well, who's not doing well, that I could kind of understand what was the placement of the team right when I crossed the line. And it was exciting to see that there weren't many Tufts or Con girls both ahead of me or close behind. And, I mean, how's, how's the team feeling right now? I mean, because... You just made kind of a big statement, right? Yeah, it was a huge statement for us. We usually um, kind of go back and forth between 
you know, Tufts beating us, us beating Tufts, and they're usually one of our biggest competitors. So to beat them by such a large margin was huge for us, and it's exciting to see what the rest of the season has in store. As a senior captain, tell us about some of your teammates. Uh, Jill Richardson, a junior, just seems like she is a machine out there, huh? Yeah, she's so strong. She can hit whatever paces she needs to, and it's amazing to watch. And it's exciting because she only got to race her freshman year on the cross-country team. Right. So this is almost like her debut as kind of an upperclassman who's been on the team for a while. And it's, it'll be exciting to see what she can do in some really races with some good competition. And how did the training go over the past what, two years since you last had a competition, right? <laughs> yeah, we we definitely didn't do as much training last year as we did in, in a normal season. Um, we were having practices, you know, a couple times a week, but not much. Um, so this is the first time that we're really having, like, full training, full competition, full practicing. Um, and it's fun to watch just to see people, like, get into shape, see what they, they're, like, racing because a lot of my teammates I've been training with them for two years but I've never seen them race or I haven't been able to race with them so it's been fun to watch that. What's it like being one of the captains? Uh, it's great both me and Mary I think work really well together and it's been fun to kind of shape our team into what it can be since you know we haven't really been a team in a while and so we have a lot of like liberties as to what we want our season to look like and what we want our team culture to be so it's been it's been really gratifying to be able to do that with her. Yeah, what's some of the messaging to the first years and the sophomores as well who haven't gotten to race before? <laughs> I think our motto right now is just getting out there and see what we can do because a lot of them either haven't run in college at all or have only trained. And so we're just kind of taking it one meet at a time and being like, go out, do your best. Like, don't stress too much because we don't really know who we are as a team right now. And being able to watch these competitions and see us doing so well is just a good sign that we're headed in the right direction. Do you have your goals in mind for yourself, for the team going forward this year? Yeah, I think after this meet on Saturday, it's really kind of set our our bar high for championship season and regionals and everything like that. Um, I think that we can place very high in those in those competitions, and I think that's where our head's at at the moment. I, I think there's extra importance this year on the NESCAC championships, right, just because of the way the regions divide up? Yeah, we just we had new regions um, dispersed this season, and so we're going to be competing against newer teams and some teams that we've been competing against for a while. Um, so it'll be a different region than we're used to, but I think that we'll do very well in it. And then uh, main state meet coming up in, what, two weeks? Two weeks, yep. So it'll be uh, a week from this Saturday, um, and it'll be at home, which is yep. exciting. Yeah, well, I've, I've talked to runners about that home course advantage at Pineland. Do you, do you feel that? Definitely. The the hills are a lot. We have one of the hardest courses in the NESCAC, um, but there are hills. Like, we train on them. We know them well. And so I think that really helps us going to a meet, knowing that, like, we know our, our hills better than anyone else out there. We last talked to you when you were a sophomore, right? Now you're a senior. So tell us, we touched on Jill and what she's been able to do, but who are some of the other runners we should pay attention to here this year, right? Yeah, we've got such a deep team. It's yeah. hard to even start, but we I know that like on Saturday, some of our big runners were um, Jill and then also Beth and Sarah, who are juniors, had really great races. Um, and Sarah, this is her first cross-country season with us, so we're excited to see what else she can do. Um, and then also right around me, we have a freshman, Olivia Reynolds, who did amazing in our race on Saturday. Um, and, and Alana, who is a junior, she's also been having a really great season, as well as there's a huge pack of girls right behind them that are kind of chasing down those top couple spots. And yeah, because you look forward to hopefully, you know, NCAAs down the road, right? And only a certain number of people can go. So there's competition on the team too, right? There is a little bit of competition, yeah. which is hard. And especially this year, because we have one of the largest teams that I've ever been on here at Bates. Um, and I think we've had in a while, we have almost 31 girls. Um, and so there's there's definitely more people to kind of battle for those spots. But at this point in the season, it's hard to know who, who any of those girls are going to be at this point. So I think that the competition is not quite there yet. Um, but once we get into those later meets and it really starts getting down to like who's going to be going on our top like 15, top 10 kind of races, there might be a little bit more competition. But we're trying to avoid that. We're trying to really support um, teammates 
you know, being happy for each other's success. Gotcha. Okay, excellent. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about this past weekend? No, I think it was a really great start to our season. We've had two races before this, but they were both kind of like either we weren't all together as a team or it's just here on campus as a, like a two-mile race. Um, so I think this weekend was a really great start to a good season. On the men's side, senior Jackson Donahue led the way for Bates for the second straight week. Both the Jumbos and Camels entered the race very close to number 23 Bates in the rankings. But just like on the women's side, the Bobcats' depth seized the day. Donahue looks back on the team's performance and looks forward to the remainder of the season. It's definitely been a while. We got a big training block last year, which, you know, for running, it's really important and uh, honestly helped a lot. I mean, it wasn't great. You know, no one really liked not competing very much, but it ended up actually being pretty good for training um, just because we got all that development in last year. So, you know, you're seeing a lot of guys making big jumps um, and it might seem like they're just like going from one place to another, but really it's been like a whole year, two years of training um, that have gotten them there. So, yeah, I think that's that's what we're seeing right now. And this past weekend was interesting because the depth really showed off. Yeah, yeah. So we had, I think, actually 5th through 10th. And then I think we had 12th and 13th and, you know, a bunch of guys in there. And we were also missing a few other guys too. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have a lot of guys that, like I said, you know, put in big training blocks over the, the pandemic and um, – Freshmen and sophomores who haven't really gotten the chance to race yet, yeah, they're starting to show their stuff. So, yeah, it's exciting. And this was an 8K race, right? Yeah. And I know in high school it's shorter, right? So for some of the younger guys, it was a, probably an adjustment. Right, yeah. No, so for the freshmen and sophomores, this is a lot of people's first 8K, probably you know, probably 70% of the team's first 8K. Mm. Um, and I, I'd say we did pretty well considering that. Uh, you know, And even as upperclassmen, we've, you know, we've run 8Ks before, but only one or two years. So, right. Yeah. New head coach, Curtis Johnson, obviously he'd been with the track and field program for a number of years, but now leading uh, cross country and track and field. So what's he been like so far? Uh, he's been great. Coach Johnson, is he's got big shoes to fill uh, with the retirement of, of Coach Fresh. Um, but he's doing his, his very best. Uh, you know, like you said, he's been with the program for a number of years now. So he knows the ins and outs of, of Bates track and field and cross country and how it operates. Um, but, you know, obviously it is an adjustment. Um and I, I think the transition is going pretty well. And we also have uh, assistant coach Jacob Ellis to, to help with that, to help to smooth that out. Certainly. This past weekend, obviously, was on the home course there at Pineland Farms against some teams, Connecticut College and Tufts, that were kind of near you in the rankings coming in. Uh, must be pretty satisfying to get the win, right? Yeah, it, it is satisfying. We are still keeping an eye on those teams, though, yeah. um, especially Con, given that they have two guys up front that we were kind of nowhere near. Mm. Um, and in big races, that's way more important because then you'll have a lot more guys between their two and our one. Um, so our job is just to get that pack as close to those guys as possible. Certainly. So the strategy, uh, you have uh, something to work on, I guess, going forward, right? Oh, yeah. No, and, and the work is really just starting. I, th- I think mm-hmm. we are kind of considering the season to be just starting right now as that, that was the first AK. So now we're really getting into the, the thick of things um, training-wise and, you know, just going in week in, week out and either putting in huge workouts or races every week and, you know, trying to nail recovery and all the good stuff. Yeah. And then the running as a pack, uh, running with some, uh, who were who you running with most of the uh, afternoon? So I was, I was with Eli Besch Dining, mm-hmm. Bart Russ, Sam Cartsonis, Ryan Smith, um, and that was, and Victor Caring, and if, honestly a few other guys. It's hard to name all of them, but yeah, yeah it, that was basically the plan was just stick with the training group through the first mile, take it out somewhat conservatively. Uh, we ended up going out a little fast just because of the front guys, but um, 
yeah, it, we stuck as a pack together well, and uh, that was the plan. We executed pretty well and then moved up on the second loop of the course, which is, yeah, pretty nice. How much of a home course advantage is there, you think? Uh, I think definitely for the upperclassmen, yeah. it's pretty big because, you know, we do so many workouts at Pineland, and people from other teams often underestimate the course. It's really hilly. It's hard. Uh, not great surfaces for cross-country racing, especially the spikes. Um, but, you know, we, we know that course <laughs> just from all the work we've done there. But like I said, you know, underclassmen are just getting there now so i'd say for them they're they're just as new as the other teams at, at pineland what are some goals you have in your mind for the rest of the year obviously you have the main state meet you have the possibility of going back to nationals as well right yeah i mean we just want to win as much as possible uh we we are definitely on a big redemption quest from mm -hmm. last uh last time we raced as a team in cross country as you know we we did make nationals but we did not do very well there um so we are trying to make it more of an expectation to make NCAAs at this point. Uh, our program is good enough and talented enough that we really should be making it every year. Um, and not only making it, but we want to be pissed if we're not top 15. Right. Yeah. And you got that experience to run there two years ago, right? I did. Yeah. Uh, did not do so well, but you live and you learn. Yeah, I mean, until you take an experience like that, it does really serve as great motivation going forward, I suppose, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. definitely been a fire in the belly mm -hmm. all year last two years so yeah i mean we've we've taken it into our training we have gotten a lot better and you know we're hoping to redeem ourselves great well any other thoughts you wanted to share about the bates invitational this past weekend honestly it, it was fun it was a lot of fun you know uh, we used to do maple butter as the gifts this year's whoopie pies i was a little upset i didn't get a maple butter thing but um you know it's awesome just to host a meet at pineland it's uh, and we're hosting another one at states right uh so yeah really excited about that too great jackson donahue thanks so much all right thank you for having me for the second straight week, a Bates student-athlete earned NESCAC honors for their performance. Last week, it was Rex Lane and Joe Richardson earning recognition from the conference in men's soccer and women's cross-country, respectively. This week, it's the other type of football that takes center stage. Senior Simon Redfern used to play soccer. In fact, he tried out for the team at Bates as a first year. He did not make the squad, but Bobcat head coach Tyler Shake recommended Redfern to the football program. So Redfern walked on to the Bobcat football team as a place kicker. On Saturday, Redfern made both his field goal attempts, including a career-long 34-yarder. Redfern earned NESCAC Special Teams Player of the Week honors, and he joins the Bobcast to reflect on that tryout experience with the football team back in 2018 and where he is now. I showed up to practice one day. Uh, I was wearing running clothes. Everyone else was dressed in full pads. Um, it was quite the look, honestly. Um, field goal was the first thing after stretch, uh, so we got right into it. Um, I'd never kicked a football in my life. Uh, the day of, I think I, I was Googling YouTube videos, something along those lines. Um, and then, so, line up for the extra point. Uh, we had a couple other soccer guys trying out, too. Um, the first starting kicker made his extra point. The next two guys missed. Then it was me, and then I ended up making mine. Um, and then Coach Hall said, back it up, left hash. I was like, what does that mean? And then I had this whole line of, like, these big dudes coming, coming towards me, so I had no choice but to back up, and I realized I was now kicking further away. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I wasn't ready for this, but whatever. Made that one, backed it up again, made that one, and then we backed it up one more time, and then I made that one. Um, and that was, it was it was a crazy process. Like I had kids I'd never met before, like seniors on the football team, who I love those guys, obviously, but at the time I didn't know them, and like 
coach was like, get loud. Like I dudes yelling stuff in my ear. Like it was, it was quite the experience. Um, but then after that, uh, I, I jogged over to the sideline, was talking to, to one of the other kickers and he was like, Hey man, like you just made a 40 yarder. And I was like, I, I had no idea how long any of those were. Um, I don't know. I, it kind of just happened. Coach Hall told me to uh, get some pads and get ready to go. So that was a surreal experience, but brought me here. So, I mean, how much of a background even like watching football did you have? Like, did you realize what a 40 yarder meant? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, so I, I, I religiously watch football. Okay. So okay. that I had, I was, I was shocked myself. Yeah. So. Was it a little intimidating with these guys yelling and everything? I imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely, definitely was, but like, I can't have a, can't have a conscience in the kicking game, man. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you were a soccer tennis guy growing up, right? Uh, yeah, soccer, tennis, and a little bit of squash. A little bit of squash. Okay, yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Um, and then, so what was the transition like going from those sports? Soccer is a team sport, the other two a little bit more individual. Right. What was the transition like going from that to a football team? Um, I mean, the transition was, was honestly easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, going into it, I was kind of shocked by the culture of football and and everything um but honestly after after a little bit i kind of realized like these were the guys i was meant to be hanging out with all along you know like on nfl sundays me and all the guys on the team are just like planted to the couch like i was doing this long before being on the Bates football team right um like everything everything about the team the culture like the work ethic um the willingness to pretty much do anything for for a fellow teammate like all that stuff aligns with with who I am and and my beliefs, so it wasn't too difficult of a transition, surprisingly. So fall 2018, your fresh your first year here, the kicker then was Justin Foley, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What did, what do you learn from him? Maybe he had, he had a little more experience, although maybe not so much place place game because he was yeah. a punter before that, right? Yeah. Uh, Foley was a he was a great dude. Um, he definitely like taught me like the fundamentals of of what I'm doing right now. Um, he was, I mean, he was a hell of a player, uh, crazy punter, yeah. could boot that thing like 60 yards if he caught it right. Like, guy was insane. Um, but he, he definitely, he, he definitely gave me some tips, helped me succeed currently. Excellent. Well, then your sophomore year, you don't get to attempt a field goal until the Bowden game, right? Is that right. correct? Yeah, so yeah. what was the weight like? You were doing some extra points, but not, not, not any field yeah. goals until the Bowden game. So, I mean... Uh, <laughs> As you you probably know, there was there was some blocking issues um, my sophomore year. Um, so Coach Hall didn't really want to uh, like risk, I guess, six points if it got blocked, and yeah. you have all the O linemen out there on the unit, so no one's really able to to chase someone down there. Um, but I mean, it was, I don't know, I was ready to do whatever the team needed me to do. So um, I'm always ready. So. Yeah. Well, then how about this past game? I mean, uh, against Amherst, I mean, a 34-yard field goal. Obviously, your your third attempt you made uh, of your career. You made one earlier than day, but now I mean, you made a 40-yard in practice. I guess so. 34 wasn't too intimidating. Yeah, no, 34 is it should be should be made for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just doing like what the guy. I'm doing my job with the 34-yarder. Anything beyond 40, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet in game. Um, and I think it. I think it's definitely attainable this year, especially this week. We're playing um, playing up at Middlebury, high altitude, okay. ball travels further, um, so that should be fun. And I mean, the coaches uh, give me the green light to do some more kicking, so excited for that. Great, and um, I think Keith Davis might have mentioned you also have been practicing punting as well, or no? Uh, I have, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
we have a we have a fantastic punter right now. Archie, I mean, got really unlucky on Saturday and was honestly he was punting upwind every every punt. Um, so he got a little unlucky there. But he's he's a really talented kid and he's way better at punting than I'm ever gonna be. So we're in good hands there. But just in case you haven't practiced, what's that been like? Also, that's a completely different technique. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's all in the uh, all in the drop there. Um, surprisingly, I mean, Foley actually taught me that yeah. uh, way back in the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, punting is is totally totally different, and lots of respect to guys out there who can bomb them. <laughs> what was the biggest adjustment for you going from a soccer style of kicking to football? I mean, because you're. It's different, right? Right. Uh, the biggest thing for me is, like, kicking up. Like, swinging up is the biggest thing in, in football and in soccer. Like, you, it's more like a side-to-side motion instead of just up. Um, so that was, that was kind of the biggest adjustment for me. In soccer, you're also trying to connect with your toe pretty much on the ball, get under it for a lofted pass or strike through it for a shot, something like that. But... Um, in football, you actually want to kick it with the bone of your foot, like located right, right up, like right in the middle, pretty much. Um, so that's the strongest part of your foot, makes the ball travel the furthest. So those those two things are probably the biggest adjustment. When you were first kicking in that practice, you told us about were you doing it, still doing it soccer style, or did, you, did the YouTube videos taught you enough? Uh, no, the YouTube videos had not taught me nearly enough. Um, it was all soccer style all at soccer that style. at that point. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> So then how long did it take you kind of your first year to kind of get the football style down? I mean, like, literally I've been improving and and getting better every week, I think. I mean, it wasn't until, like, probably this past summer that I felt, like, comfortable hitting field goals 50 yards and in. Mm. um, And, like, I'm ready to do that during the game. And, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Great. Well, you're a senior now, but take us back when you were actually looking for colleges. What made Bates the place for you? Um... So I was I was deciding between Bates and a couple other places. Um, I wasn't recruited uh, like these other guys. Um, I actually came here regular decision. Um, so I was head all over the place. I was deciding between like three different schools. Bates was one of them. Um, but it really came down at the end of the day to the people. Like there's something about being on the Bates campus, like meeting Bates students. Like everyone here is just so nice, so kind. Um, and it's the kind of student body like I want to go to college with if that makes sense. Definitely. And then, I mean, it's funny how life works, right? But you could never have imagined not only playing football, but being the special team player of the week in the conference, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely did not see this one coming um, four years ago. But here now, so pretty sweet. Great. What are your thoughts you wanted to share about, you know, your time at Bates so far, what you're most looking forward to here the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, um, there's one thing I wanted to, to get out there before um, the interview was over. Uh, so I just want to thank my, my long snapper, sophomore Cole DeMagistris, and my holder, senior Mike Bowman. Um, the operation wouldn't happen without those guys. I can't do my job if they don't do theirs. Um, so all the love in the world to those guys. They're, they're killing it right now, too. So. Yeah. Excellent. And the hogs up front are blocking, right? Yeah, yeah. that too. That I'm gonna I'm gonna buy them something nice at the end of the season um, if we if we keep it that way. There you go, Simon Redfern, NESCAC Special Teams Player of the Week. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. The tennis teams have gotten some competition in this fall, with the women hosting the Wallach Invitational two weekends ago, and the men traveling to Middlebury this past weekend for the Middlebury Invitational. Head coach Paul Gassingay catches us up on Bates Tennis. 
Coach, we'll flash back a couple weeks here to the Wallach Women's Invitational you had right here. We're currently on the coach's deck at the Wallach Tennis Center. Early in the season, only a few practices in. Some good competition, though, right? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, we did a different format this year. We did a, a Fed Cup uh, format where we did teams of two. And so you play a set of uh, doubles uh, together, no add, and then split up and play a set of singles against your opponents. Uh, the team that has two points moves on. Uh, if you lose, you move. We did a compass draw, so you go the other way. So everyone was guaranteed three rounds on Saturday, and then we were able to have a, basically a second tournament on Sunday where we were able to uh, split up our teams and figure out some new combinations and try out some things. So um, really good format for only having a few practices under everyone's belt, and it, and it gave uh, the opponents and as well as Bates athletes a chance to sort of get their feet wet and, and you know, play with new teammates and, and and just get a lot of reps against different different opponents. So it was a lot of fun. I think I saw some of the base women even played against each other, right? Right. So at the end of the day, if, like, another team had was dinged up or wow. whatever, we would just, you know, create a matchup and, yeah. and have them play because we wanted them to play. <laughs> right, right. So Who were some maybe standouts from the, that weekend? We did well all around. I, I, I really was – uh, impressed with how we competed after really not having many opportunities to compete over the last couple of years. I think I think the first years, you know, had a little bit more opportunity at home, and depending on part of the country they're from, uh, to compete in tournaments. But you know, for our upperclassmen, you know, we had four matches last year. Uh, a few of our athletes were were injured, and it was basically a four-week season turned into two because of the quarantine. So. Um, you know, it was a very quick season, not a lot of reps, but I think our athletes got some, some good uh, exposure this summer and came in ready, and I was really thrilled with how they competed together, and we just threw them in with brand new partners, and, you know, Anna and Allie, you know, a senior and a sophomore, and just really meshed. It was really neat to see that. Uh, really excited about our first-year class as well. Lizzie and Ava and Livia, and Drew Williams is uh, an amazing uh, athlete as well. We have a couple, you know, almost six footers. Uh, mm. So it's it's they have big serves, big games, uh, very athletic group, very coachable. So it's been a lot of fun, and I think the upperclassmen are really enjoying being with this new first year class. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned first years, their high school careers were probably impacted by the pandemic in some way, shape, or form. Um, how have you seen their adjustment to college when they? There might be a variety of how much playing they got to do, right? Right. For the most part, though, the, our athletes are playing tournaments yeah. uh, in the junior circuit. Okay. And uh, even though a lot of those tournaments weren't going on, uh, universal tennis rating, UTR events were going on around the country. Mm. And so uh, they got opportunities to play and compete. So You mentioned the doubles team, Anna Rosen, right, and Allie yes. Friedman, um, senior and a sophomore. It must be nice to see a doubles team emerge this early on, right? Absolutely, and that's yeah. why we, the fall is all about is to, yeah. to kind of figure out these pieces. You know, we have a couple key components uh, to our doubles lineup uh, who, who are abroad right now, mm -hmm. uh, studying abroad. Um, but it's neat to see the first year step up and, and also, you know, our, our sophomore, Allie, who was sidelined with an injury last year and, and really didn't get to do that much. So, uh, yeah, they're, they were really good. They beat Bowden's number one team. Um, even though it's a shortened format, you know, it's very competitive and, 
you know, they showed a lot there, and, and we were actually up 5-2 against their, their second team uh, earlier in the day. And it was neat to see them make adjustments and, and sort of keep the, the pedal down on, on the second match around and not let that slip away. Excellent. And then, um, you know, the men were at Middlebury this past weekend for their first tournament of the fall. Um, what do you see from them? That's a long trip and I'm sure very tough competition. Yeah, that's always uh, a real test. Um, but what we've been talking about with both teams is, look, we, we haven't had many reps over the last couple of years. And, and what our goal is, is to get us ready for the fall. And winter, it's not about winning right now. It's about doing the right things that will help us win in the spring and because it's very easy for an athlete to kind of fall back into a game style or a mode that they're comfortable with from their junior career or whatever but we're trying to grow them into a, a more accomplished player a more well-rounded player an all-court player that can transition to the net take balls out of the air early take time away from their opponents and so we're sort of like enticing them <laughs> encouraging them to uh, use this new game style and really develop it so that it's really second nature by the time spring comes around. And spring is going to be different this year, right? Uh, I believe a full NESCAC schedule for the first time ever. Yeah, excited about that. Round robin, but that's what we talked about this weekend. I said, you're going to have just a brutal match on a Saturday. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to leave everything out there, and then you have to recover and then have a, the same thing on Sunday. And there could be travel involved, it could be home and away, but it, it's a very taxing schedule. And to play two uh, matches back to back against some of the best teams in the country, it just, you have to be super, super fit. So that's something we're really working on this fall that's gonna carry into the, the uh, investment season between fall and spring, and then uh, we'll pay dividends uh, down the road. ITAs at Bowdoin, right? Um, similarities, differences between ITAs and like Middlebury? Yeah, there'll be some of the same elite players there. Um, there are some teams at Middlebury that will be in a different ITA, sort of the New York ITA. Uh, but the New England ITA is so deep and so strong that you almost have um, the level of the the semis of some of the other regions in the first round sometimes and so you can't really get your feet wet it's you just have to be ready and battle and it's you know it's a war of attrition there's so many uh tough players that you have to be fit you have to be mentally tough and you have to be ready to go in the first round or else you're you know you're looking uh you know everyone you're watching everyone else play the next day instead of you so right right for both these teams uh, the captains graduated, right? You had Owen Greenwood, Correct. you had Alex Kennedy, you had Haley Washington, you had Hannah Sweeney. They're all, they've all graduated. Uh, very good, good careers here at Bates. So who are you looking for, upperclassmen, step in that leadership role? Kind of? Yeah, right now we've got Nick Forster, Teddy Kuiti, and Cam Kenya, who's like amazing on the men's team. They, they've been leaders all along. We've got other leaders as well, yeah. uh, but they're, they're really uh, showing the way. And on the women's side, we've got Anna Rosen and Sydney Burns, who have been leaders. You know, these kids have been leaders since day one. It's like they were change agents for our, our, both teams as first years, and they sort of were catalysts to, to light a fire and, and uh, really help the others, even the upperclassmen, feel like, hey, I, I really got to work, you know. So they've been leading from day one, uh, but it's great, you know, to see their interactions with the, 
the others on the team, the young kids, they're, they're really supportive. They're really good role models, and, and they're doing a great job. Awesome. Paul Gassengay, thank you so much for catching us up with the tennis programs here in the fall. My pleasure, Aaron. Thanks for having me. The soccer and volleyball teams fell in their matches over the weekend, but there's no time to dwell on it as the men's soccer team returns to action Tuesday night at Garcelon Field, taking on Eastern Nazarene at 8 p.m. Meanwhile, the field hockey team visits UNE Tuesday night. The women's soccer team also visits UNE on Wednesday, and volleyball finally gets its first home match Wednesday against Maine Maritime at 7 p.m. Visit GoBatesBobcats.com for the complete schedule, and we'll recap all this week's action next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my